0: Welcome to the broadcast.
1: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
2: Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow.
0: Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the House. Your Saturday morning tradition here in Arizona since 1988. Third Saturday of the month, we're in the Landscape and Garden talking irrigation scheduling. We've got Jay Harper in the studio. Good morning. Welcome to the program. And I feel like a broken record. I I can't believe it's June. Doesn't feel like it.
3: I guess we might start feeling it a little bit today and tomorrow, but still, it's the middle of June and it's just kind of be just a little over 100 degrees.
0: I remember jumping in the pool in April growing up and... We we won't put more than a toe in right now. It hasn't broken seventy five degrees.
3: <laughs> it's uh, been a spectacular uh, start to summer, and and I always tell people every day that it's nice in June is just a day less of summer of misery.
0: Yeah, but there's something just about the the mental side of it being October that it just doesn't feel as bad. What's going to be that way is. in October
3: anyway? So <laughs> it might as well I mean. be nice in June. <laughs> I October, guess that's where, that's where I'm coming from. It's just like, you know, it, you know, any day in any day in June and October that it's nice. You just just shrunk summer by that many days. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. It's uh, it's sure been fabulous, and we're supposed to talk about irrigation and checking your irrigation system. And boy, I'd do it, but you know, while you you're, you've just got a few bonus weeks of not having to worry too much about your irrigation system, but. Uh, you want to get on it.
0: Have you know. even changed your scheduling yet, or your? A little bit. Have you? Okay. A little bit, but you're you know, a little ahead of me. I <laughs> like it. Just hasn't hit hard enough for me to go yeah. go change anything. Um, but not
3: not dramatically, no. I and mean, I think the major, the big thing is that even on top of scheduling, is get out there and turn that system on and walk around and visually inspect every. Sprinkler head, every pop up lawn sprayer, every drip em- emitter, and just make sure there's water coming out of them. There's water coming out of them with what looks like a regular rate, uh, that it's not spraying somewhere it shouldn't be spraying. You know, I saw again somewhere, I don't remember now, it was a commercial property, but you know, they're, they were watering halfway out into the street you know, on, on one of those big, you know, impact-type sprinkler heads, but, you know, they they hadn't adjusted it, and, you know, the sidewalk was getting as much water as as the rest of the turf area. So, you know, check stuff like that um, before you wake up one day or you come back from a week in San Diego and half your stuff's dead because it hasn't been working properly. And all it takes is a few days once it hits, it gets really hot, 150 over 105 to 110 it doesn't take very long for you know stuff to not be getting water before it shows up and then it's it can either be too late or really have done enough damage
0: that you have a hard time for it to recover it's funny you mentioned dying off because the kids were complaining that the lawn was dying i'm like lawn's doing fine They're like look at all this dead stuff I'm like that's the ryegrass yeah we our ryegrass in what it june 17th Is just now starting to burn up. Yeah. So my neighbor
3: in the cul-de-sac is wanting to get rid of his grass. And he's having a heck of a time getting the Bermuda to green up enough to spray it to kill it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, and talk about that. If you are trying to kill off a lawn, you don't do it when it's dormant. You want to nourish it, grow it, fertilize it, getting it growing. So it's sucking up nutrients. So when you hit it with the weed killer, it sucks it up. Otherwise, you know, spraying Correct. Weed it, killer on dormant grass, you might as well just waste, you know, you're your wasting your time. Right. And, and you
3: are not going to dig up and get rid of Bermuda grass by just excavating the area. It just, it's not going to work. It's going to come back. Uh, and if you're doing something like you're putting in gravel that's one thing if it comes back you can spray it a few times as it's coming back and and eventually get ahead of it and and on top of it but a lot of people are doing this to put in artificial turf and you get stuff coming up through your artificial turf and that can be a a big and an expensive process to to remediate
0: that and that's probably not something you want to spray chemicals on
3: no, no, you don't. No, you don't. Um, you don't want to do that, and and I don't know how efficient it would be anyway. But yeah, cause again, to spray it, you got to have enough foliage there to spray something on. So you then you got a bunch of dead stuff sticking up through your artificial turf. And I think that's probably a recipe for uh, something you don't want to deal with. But uh, so take your time, and if you are thinking about reducing the size of your lawn your turf area, converting to something else. You know, summertime is the best time to do it uh, because you can effectively uh, eliminate the Bermuda grasses uh, when they're hot, when it's hot and they are growing rapidly.
0: Now, I had to do some sprinkler repair and it wasn't necessarily repair, but enhancements. The lawn's pushing 20 years old now. Sure. So where the sprinkler had used to be kind of level with the grass, yeah. it's, it's far enough down on three of the different sprinkler heads that when the emitter pops up and is spraying, you're getting blocked. It, it's it's spraying the grass right in front yeah. of it, and it's not reaching out. Right. So I had to dig it out, take it out, put new, raise it up a little bit, expand, you know, mm-hmm. extension plugs, and, and put it back in because it, it. It, you know, you look at it. I guess over 20 years' time and two inches, it's probably not a lot but it's like holy cow we're well just-
3: that thatch you know builds up and you get enough you know dust and dirt and everything else that actually raises even the soil level in that thatch of that grass which the grass doesn't care it just kind of reroots and grows in there and you know the only way to solve it is you got two choices you can do what you did raise up the heads or you can go in and do a major you know renovation on that turf and t- you know scalp it down dethatch it you know get in there and and work the thatch and, and that's a lot of work it's a lot easier to raise the sprinkler heads <laughs> <laughs> the only thing you got you got to be careful is if you get the sprinkler heads up just don't get them too high and then run over them From with the your mower. mower or
0: whatever but yeah yeah they're still below the grass just a little bit but it, it was surprising uh not only the irrigation i when I pulled it out, they, they were like three-inch heads, mm-hmm. and I had gotten a four-inch head, and I still needed mm. to take the plastic extension out and put in mm-hmm. a longer one because of, of how thick it had gotten. But uh, Around the lawn, there's a concrete curb mm-hmm. that's been put in, and I finally uh, I got an early Father's Day present, and Amanda got me an uh, edger for the lawn but it's the steel pro series battery operated Mm -hmm. so this it's got like five different attachments you can get for it. the battery itself has 26 different tools you can use for it so it it was just the start
3: yeah i have the steel uh blower um and a string trimmer and they say the chainsaw is fabulous
0: that's, that's on the list. In fact, I even said we might have to do that before a camping trip this summer to take because I do, you know, the big thing, I never thought I would go to gas, but just, you know, every time you, I would go to use it, if it's out there a couple months, the gas is gummy. It's always this big process, getting it ready just yeah. to use it. Yeah. Well, just keep the battery inside now. Charge.
3: Buy a couple extra batteries so that you've got, you know, one always charged.
0: And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, that, that steel line is really fabulous. I really enjoy it. And one of the uh, tools it has is an actual concrete cutter, a cut saw. Uh, wow. I mean, I've, I've had that tool on my... Well, you
3: know, so I was visiting actually about this subject with a friend of mine last night whose sons are both firefighters. And even the fire, the Jaws of Life and all that stuff they use now, those are all battery-powered. All of that stuffs, you know, I mean, on a much bigger scale, I don't know how big the battery, you know, how many volt batteries it takes to do those. But the, the technology on this stuff is is unbelievable. And, uh, and so all that's being run from battery powered. So it's, uh, they're pretty cool. And you got so much freedom when you're not dragging a cord around <laughs> or uh, having to worry about gas or. And and I'll and I'll testament to this is it sounds like we're doing a commercial for steel, but I so I have a flat roof, and every so often, especially in the fall, I'll take my blower up on the roof and blow all the leaves off, and blow it out of the gutter and all that stuff. So I've got the I'm all done, and I have it sitting there, and I go to get on the ladder, and I kicked the blower off the roof. Ooh. And of course, not on purpose. It didn't. No, it didn't <laughs> land in the grass. It landed on the concrete. Concrete, and I got down there, and you know the only thing that was that had broken was the little on-off assembly, and I took it over to Tim at Scotty's. They ordered a part. Part came in. I switched it out.
0: Working just fine. So they're
3: they're also very very durable. So yeah,
0: and that's actually where. Um... My edger came from was Scotty's, and it's in a place you wouldn't expect to find a lawnmower shop, at least in my mind, yeah. in, the, in, the in the air, air park, park, kind yeah. of behind the Costco. But uh since then, I actually went and I got the weed eater head attachment, and then the a pull saw attachment, and that is really nice because there's been some branches that I've needed to trim for a while, yeah. but they're we're, we're even ones that with clippers on a. Ladder, I couldn't get to. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I've got to wait for this branch to get strong enough for me to climb out there and cut it. But now I've got the but, nine foot. Well, the arm with a.
3: Ch- and you'll save yourself falling off the ladder end. someday. <laughs> so I'm very picky as to how far up and when I use a ladder anymore.
0: Just watch. <laughs> Make sure you stand away from where the branch is going to fall. It seemed plenty you plan of, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Seen plenty of those where somebody. Cuts it in the branch. I got a guy
3: guy that I'm friends with on Facebook. He is a firefighter and he was doing something. His his wife posted the picture. He's on a ladder in (laughs) flip-flops. I'm like, well, it's a good thing you're a firefighter because you know where
0: all the ERs are. (laughs) (laughs) Got a few buddies to come grab you. Yeah. Questions about your landscape garden? You can join the conversation one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three. You can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com And we kind of talked around it in circles. Like we never really talked about what physically should be adjusted on your irrigation time well schedule so- right now.
3: So the, the easiest way for me to kind of explain it is that, you know, if you know what your plants were getting by with in the, in the dead of winter, if you were watering at all <laughs> this winter, you didn't need to do much. So come spring, they probably need twice as frequent as they needed in the winter. And come summer, they probably need twice as frequent as they did in the spring. And then when you get to fall, you go half. And when you get to winter, you go half again. Now, that's a very broad generalization, I realize. But that's how dramatic it really should be between summer and winter. Um, And I prefer to never adjust the duration. We still want to water long and slow and deep. We just don't need to do it as frequently. When we get to turf, that's a little different. Um, You kind of have to play with that and do a little bit of both. Bermuda grass takes about minimum of two inches of water a week to be acceptable. Depending on your tolerance for how green you want it and how much you want to pay for water, (laughs) you can adjust it accordingly. So part of your audit of your sprinkler system ought to be right now measuring the output of your sprinkler heads as well as looking and making sure they're, they're propping up properly, they're not getting blocked like yours are, you know, you don't have big gaps in them. So measure it in two or three places and whatever the, the, the least common denominator, the place that is getting the least amount of water, you know, figure, you know, measure that, do the math two inches a week in that spot, everything else should be okay. Um, AMWA, the Arizona Municipal Water Users Association, has a very nice booklet called Landscape Watering by the Numbers that can help you figure out how much water your trees and shrubs need and how often you need to do it. And it takes a little math and it takes a little measuring of water and that sort of thing, but that's the stuff you want to be doing. That's what we're talking about. Do it now before the weather gets extreme, and it will. We're having a very nice early June, but we know eventually um, what's going going to happen. Um, So, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of auditing we should be doing on our irrigation systems. Um, And the other thing is if you have a very old controller or clock or timer, whatever you want to call it, you, know, you might look at upgrading that so you have more flexibility. The new ones have a lot more flexibility where you can break down you know, valves into more zones and isolate things like a vegetable garden, which needs a whole lot more frequent, different kind of watering than your trees and shrubs do, which need different than your lawn does, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So get as flexible as you can. Some of the new smart controllers will you know, will monitor rainfall and humidity and and adjust on their own. Um, and sometimes cities have incentives on, on those controllers and will rebate you or even completely reimburse you for the cost of converting those over. So uh, that's something to be considering.
0: And not only in the, that type of water irrigation valve, but a lot of different water saving things. There's all municipalities seem to have some kind of incentive yeah. about it if they they haven't yet they will soon yeah uh
3: reducing the size or taking out your turf grasses something that will you know some cities will will give you a some credit towards um, you know so there's a number of things that you can that you can do and obviously you know check your toilet is your toilet running all the time and uh, you know uh, do you have high efficiency shower heads and and th- those types of things so um, a lot of ways. You know, I see, you know, guys washing their cars out in the out in the street, you know, and how much water you, you know, being careful there, that sort of thing. So, yeah.
0: Water. And when we're adjusting our irrigation and, you know, upgrading the the timer box, at what point do you update your your actual valves? You know, the
3: Well, just you just need to open that Valve box once in a while. Hopefully you have them buried in the underground in a valve box. If, you know, a lot of do-it-yourselfers put their valves up above ground, which is not only unsightly, I think, but it also shortens the life of, of the valves. You're exposing wires and the valves, which have a diaphragm in them, which, you know, will dry out and all that sort of thing. But just pop that lid open if there's water inside your valve box. You, know, you you probably have a problem if you have a, a, a zone or a, a irrigation zone on your that that never shuts off, maybe it's just weeping a little bit of water then you have an issue with your valves valves will last a long 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 time um, but it's something that is, should be part of the process and I'm glad you brought that up pop open the valve boxes make sure they're not anywhere a little tip though when you pop those valve boxes open before you start sticking your hand down in there, do a little looking around with a flashlight.
0: <laughs> one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. 767 4348 That's one, triple 8 Rosie for you to join the conversation. I kept waiting for something like a yeah, something to happen there, on the <laughs> like the
3: Twilight Zone or something.
0: <laughs> was there a lead-up? Did you a... not hear the
2: sprinklers? Uh, uh-uh. apparently not. Oh, you <laughs> didn't have your headsets on. That's why. Okay, <laughs> I'll have to play that again. That's the opening to Caddyshack. Uh, sprinklers uh, no go kidding. on. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I thought
3: it sounded like a Kenny Loggins kind of a thing.
2: Well, but... uh, no, they, they were there. They were watering the lawn at the uh, same time. But no, you're right. That is Kenny Loggins. Though, okay, so, gotcha. As we yeah. call the backing book. All right. Well, be. so we got
3: that going for us. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> uh, middle of June drives you crazy. A lot of lines out of that. Maybe <laughs> <It's laughs> I need great. to go watch that one again. <laughs> it's good. Yeah,
0: watch unedited. Don't.
2: Hello,
3: Mister Gopher. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and something about the heat brings those out. We don't necessarily have gophers, but we have plenty of little, plenty of prairie dogs, ground squirrels. What do you call those oh, little yeah. things? The antelope ground
3: squirrels. I antelope. That's what those crow. are called.
0: Yeah, I've no, I haven't. Thankfully, I, I just shouldn't say that because now now they will. But we haven't had any in our yard yet. But you see them uh, driving home now. They seem to be popping up all over the place. So there. You know
3: where I, I was out, uh, in. Uh, on the edge of Maricopa and Yuma counties here a while back at a farm, and along they had a big uh, oh, where they reclaimed irrigation water, big holding pond. And on the banks of that pond, if there was one, there was a hundred burrowing owls. Wow! All in the I mean, I stopped and took pictures, it's just like you know, little groups of eight family groups, I guess, probably of eight and ten of them. in, in Little pods standing up on top of their little burrows. It was—it's like I've seen a few here and there, but I've, wow, there was quite a population of them there.
0: And where was this?
3: So if you if you're going uh, west on I eight um, between uh, Gila Bend and Yuma, there's an exit called Spot Road. <laughs> You take the spot road exit and go south.
1: Hmm. Now, I've wanted to head that direction the last—I just wanted to take a road trip. I wanted to see the reservoir down there full— Oh, uh, painted full, rock? Yeah, full yeah. and overflowing.
3: Yeah. Well, it did. Yeah. I don't know how full it is yet now, but— um,
1: I've never seen it overflowing. Yeah. I wanted to get down there, and I didn't take the chance.
3: I went right by it a number of times and thought, should I go look? Yeah. And I'm just, you know, no, nah, I need to get there. I need yeah. to get there.
1: Yeah. Got
0: places to be.
2: Yeah. I, my friend um, Billy had a burrowing animal, and um, he took a picture of the hole. It was right at the driveway, and he has artificial turf. And he burrowed right there at the corner with a big hole and a little bit of turf on the side. Mm. I. I went, well, he must have eaten some of that turf if he had to wonder be able that, to break through. wonder how that tasted. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not good grilled, that's no. for sure. Have you had any one particular method of success in deterring or eradicating the, the uh, antelope squirrels?
3: I have never had to.
0: Oh, okay.
3: I've never had a, a, a situation where uh, they've been in my garden or landscape. Um, so, no, I I haven't. The little park right around the corner from us, there's Keeps a bunch them of, busy all oh, yeah, over there. Yeah, I suppose there. they got a, plenty <laughs> of room. They haven't moved into the – you know what we did have in our cul-de-sac a couple of weeks ago was a bobcat. <laughs> I'm pulling out to go somewhere, and I looked over there and went, that, that, somebody's dog's out. That's a weird-looking dog. But that's, that's not a dog.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't – day or night, in-city or out-of-town, you don't see them often, but the, – uh, I, I think I've, I can remember one time seeing one of my headlights early, early in the morning out where a cave creek turns to dirt.
3: Well, you know, a, a couple of weeks before that, you know, we're, I don't know, it's 2 in the morning and Trina wakes me up. She, you hear that? I'm like, no. She goes, something just ran across our roof. We have, <laughs> we have a flat roof. Well, now I know probably what it was that it ran across our roof, you know. <laughs> It was obviously something heavy enough and big enough that it woke her up doing it. So it wasn't Santa's reindeer, you know, and I don't think it was just a, a stray cat. I think it was something bigger like a bobcat.
0: Well, there doesn't seem to be one trick that we have utilized in getting rid of them that's any more effective than the other. You can get smoke bombs. You can get old-fashioned snare traps. Uh, but it seems like if you – once you have it captured – trapped you know if you put it back in the hole and bury that hole it seems to push the other ones out they won't reuse that tunnel all right they may pop up a tunnel somewhere else but i mean just keep progressively going along chasing them out yeah you
3: can buy those little have a heart traps and probably put some bait in there and take them and relocate them somewhere
0: you know yeah you do that that sounds like a great idea being
3: being politically (laughs) correct we are on the radio,
2: on the public airwaves. I seem to recall a couple of years ago, and this was in Paradise Valley, uh, and it's still fascinating to watch. It was a bobcat and a rattlesnake. And that that bobcat was hungry. I and, guess so. Uh, and he went after that rattlesnake, and uh, about a minute and a half into the conflict, he got him and dragged him off. Wow. But it was fascinating to watch him, I guess, try to bite behind his head and... And that that bobcat was hungry enough. He said, "I don't care. You're gonna your dinner." <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh,
3: good for him. Good.
0: And you had mentioned before the broadcast started, as we we're kind of getting onto wildlife, there was a an animal attack recently. You, it, which is really interesting, because usually you don't see them until it's like extremely dry and they're desperate and they're coming in out of their mm-hmm. normal area, mm-hmm. searching for food and water because. If they have that, they don't really need a reason to roam outside of it. But uh, a guy up in up in Prescott got attacked by a bear this week.
3: Yeah. And, I, you know, obviously we don't know the circumstances to that. But one thing I have noticed in our area uh, outside of Payson in the cabin is, the, you know, the amount of people that are feeding the elk and the deer and the wildlife. And I have a hunch that that might have had something to do with this bear being just a little too unafraid of human presence perhaps maybe there's something wrong with it we'll find out but uh, it's tragic yeah but don't feed don't feed the wildlife it's
0: just not a good a good practice somebody up there is like oh that's what happened to my last 16 cats no wonder I can't keep them around here (laughs) (laughs) it was an unintentional feeding maybe (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Now, going through the summer, you always have said, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. Right. You know, next best time is now. And when we get into the summertime, another thing I always remember is, you know, why would you plant anything in the summer? Like, well, the plant lives in a five-gallon plastic container or 10-gallon or 15-gallon yeah. at the nursery all summer long. It's going to be a lot happier in the ground. You can still plant anything year round. Yeah, absolutely. I,
3: I would just, you know, there are some caveats to that. So if you're going to go on vacation for two or three weeks, you know, don't do it right before then because you do have to babysit them for a while and make sure they're getting plenty of water and and you don't know. There's not really a good way to schedule watering a brand new plant. They, they need the water when they need it and you can't wait. They can't go a minute longer on the new stuff. So you got to be there watching it and and holding their hand, so to speak, for a while. So don't plant if you're going on vacation. There might be certain types of plants I wouldn't plant. I probably wouldn't plant, you know, uh, too many, like, deciduous fruit trees, like peaches and apples and plums, even though they're containerized. I, you know, I I don't know that I'd plant them in the dead of summer. Um, But if it's a drought-tolerant, arid-adapted type plant, That's happy sitting out in full sun in the nursery in a black plastic bucket. Well, I don't know what the soil temperatures get to in those things. It's probably going to do just fine planted in the ground. So just make sure you do everything right and you're there for a while to get it established. And And, it'll be
0: just fine. And once you dig the hole, you've got your native soil dirt. You don't want to use that to plant it, even though from the 5-gallon or 10-gallon, whatever bucket, you know, there's great soil that the tree's growing in to backfill the rest of it around it though don't just dump that native soil right in there. you want to mix it
3: a little bit you know there's some of the new research is now saying don't use a lot of organic material in that planting hole um again i think it depends on what you're planting if you're planting a mesquite tree probably don't need to add a lot of compost or amend the soil much if you're planting a rose bush now then I and I think there's probably a case that you want to have some good organic material mixed with the native soil. The single biggest mistake people make though when they're planting almost anything is they bury them too deep. They 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 dig the hole too deep and then they either just put the plant in the hole and they don't pay any attention to where that soil line was where it was growing in the container and they put soil up on the stem or the trunk of that new plant or they bury, they dig the hole too deep, backfill it first, then put the plant in and it might initially be kind of matched up, but eventually what happens is it settles, right? And as it settles, then soil caves in, for lack of a better word, but accumulates then up on the trunk or the branch of the, or the stem of the new plant. And that will shorten the life of almost any tree or shrub, or kill it. Um, can kill them pretty quick if it's depending on the variety. There are a couple of things you do want to plant deeper. One of them is a tomato plant. Hmm. But <laughs> but there are not many things that you want to actually bury deeper than they've been growing in their in the soil.
0: That is interesting with tomatoes. Even the branches, sometimes if they come down, they can go into the soil and send up a new shoot from there. Yeah, all those little Very hairs, you know little...
3: how the tomato stems and have hairs on them? Those will basically all turn into a root if they're put underground. So I usually just advocate pruning off the first, the first however you want to look at it from the first. But from the ground up, take, pinch off a couple, three of the little branches and then bury it, you know, that deep. And then you end up with a much stronger-rooted uh, tomato plant.
0: And you've got your varieties that you, are kind of your favorites just based on success in the desert.
3: Of tomato plants? hmm Champion would be – or excuse me, Celebrity and Champion, almost the same
0: tomato. Um,
3: but Celebrity is my out-and-out out favorite. I just think it's pretty hard to beat if you want a decent-sized, reliable-producing, good-tasting tomato. And there is – a zillion variety you know especially with the advent of all the the heirloom varieties and all the cool looking things and they are cool everything depends on how much space you have for tomato plants but uh, the other one if you got kids and you want them to learn to eat tomatoes plant a yellow pear tomato mm. and they just produce scads of fruit and they're just they just pop them in your mouth and eat them and they're sweet Generally About will.
0: the size of a cherry tomato, but they're yeah, but they're pear shaped and yellow and yellow and and obviously a little bit different taste wise.
3: Yeah, they're kind of sweet. I mean, in my on my
0: palate anyway. I fought,
2: and he water. Hi, I'm Jim Gilday of Regal Bath and Kitchens. Happy Father's Day from Rosie on the House.
0: Wrapping up our final segment here in the Outdoor Living Hour, talking irrigation scheduling as we move into our brutal heat of the summer. There used to be a time where we would say, don't even worry about the rain sensors. We don't get enough to make them matter. But uh, it seems like more and more, uh, that's more of a reason to use them is because we don't get enough. So utilize (laughs) and save every single (laughs) drop we can.
3: Sure. I mean, I, I think anything that helps reduce... Our water consumption is—we just need to embrace it. Uh, as we have more and more people moving here and more and more demand on our water supply, it, you know, we want to be in control of it. We don't want to finally be dictated to that. Here's here's how much water you've got and what you're going to do and how you're going to use it. So, anything we can do to to uh, have some say in how we manage our water, I think, is is good. So.
0: Have you played with any of the apps or, or the new new controllers that you can all you know work with your smartphone and adjust the valves and I I, I haven't gone gotten to that point yet in my yard but it seems pretty neat what you can well do they're with it.
3: yeah they're fabulous especially if if you are gone for periods of time you know if you're somebody that maybe isn't here very much in the summer and you are. Sitting on a beach in San Diego and you notice you just got an inch of rain at your house and you can get on your thing and turn off your lawn sprinkler for a few days, I think it's a great idea. Um, uh, I, my landscape has gotten down to where it's pretty simple um, that I haven't really looked into that. But um, I can see where, especially as you got to where maybe you were traveling more or gone a lot, It'd be a super idea. Or if you have multiple properties, mm. you know, maybe you have rentals, yeah. um, you know, and you don't want to have to drive to six different rental houses to adjust the controller, <laughs> you could, you know, you could do them all that way. So I think it's a fantastic way to go.
0: And when you were talking earlier about using the water by the numbers pamphlet on calculating the proper amount of water, you taking it to that level and then going back to the smart irrigation, you control how many gallons that, uh, mm-hmm. gallons, half gallons, I mean, you can get pretty exact on your water application.
3: Yeah, you can. I mean, you obviously know how many plants you have and how many emitters I have and how many gallons an hour or that your emitters are putting on. You, you can, you can get it down pretty good.
0: And your of water on the lawn, you don't have to take the tuna fish can out to the lawn and set it on there and wait for it to fill up. You know, it it's pretty exact what we can measure with it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that that doesn't work, but, you know, obviously using some kind of measuring device is a little more exact. But, um, but, you know, I think every year about this time, if you've got turf, you should be measuring that because it changes. Those heads don't work the same way. Your main water supply, you know, changes pressure changes sometimes so you know make sure you're one good thing if you're gonna if you're gonna put in new irrigation heads i would strongly suggest everybody spend a little extra money and put those low volume mp rotator heads in that's what i would switch to
0: and do you have to re- replace the whole sprinkler? or can you just pull the head out unscrew it and screw the new head on without having to take the whole? like
3: the, a new put a new valve on mm-hmm. it Depends on the manufacturer of the head and if it's compatible or not, but um, you, can, you can sure change those nozzles if once you have the right setting. If you need to switch them to different uh, length of throw and that sort of thing, you can do it
1: that way. And on the topic of saving water, uh, all the new apps, the style of heads, uh, help. But nothing will get you to saving water more than just focus.
3: Yeah, you just know, just
1: pay attention.
3: Yep, and uh, you know, there's an old saying I forget who said it. You know, and it kind of applies to that. Without the gardener, there's no garden. <laughs> and without paying attention, you know, just just get out and wander around in your lawn and landscape. Listen to your toilet. Look at. Or is there a, why is that puddle of water sitting there
1: you know um, well you you challenged us a long time ago and I would just water till the tiff got green yeah and then I'd water it 50 percent more yeah. to, make, to make sure it stayed green and then when I started measuring I felt pretty guilty <laughs> 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 the other yeah.
0: great j tip is to have a what did you call that? Like a test plant? What
1: was your... Indicator. What, oh, an indicator indica- yeah. plant. Key right. indicator.
3: Yeah, if you've yeah. got a plant in your landscape that's just a little more needy for water, you know, kind of watch it. And uh, that's how I used to... I used to have a, a Cape honeysuckle and it would always wilt before everything else. And I would know, okay, I need to... Because sometimes when it's like 110, even though you're watering what you think is right, it isn't enough. Um, and they, they need a little extra water for that little time frame. By the same token, sometimes you'd be surprised how long you can go in between waterings by watching a certain plant. Well, it hadn't wilted yet. It was scheduled to water tomorrow. I'm going to back it up one more day.
0: And the funny thing about some plants is whether it's getting too much or not enough water, the wilting looks the same. <laughs> you know, the, the, well, the, the way the leaves start to curl. Yeah,
3: the difference is that, you know, they won't wilt in the cool part of the day if they, if they don't need water. They'll all wilt probably in the heat of the day, but if you look at it in the cool part of the day and it's already wilting, you know it probably needs a drink of water.